0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Kana Rinse podcast, volume 10, issue 496. And today, we're going to talk about Castlevania Two: Simon's Quest. And joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue are Joshua Garrity. Hello there. Leah Haydo.
1: What a horrible night to have a podcast. It's not horrible. <laughs> Thank I'm you. Just, yeah, I'm, I'm being funny.
0: I get it. And Nikhil Crowder. Yeah, hi. Yeah, hi. No vocal sample from the game...
2: No, I couldn't come up with anything quite okay. quickly. No, fair enough. Maybe, uh... Brrr, something like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Is that the duck in the graveyard? I guess. No, it's, uh, I
2: think it's one of those, uh... When you, just when you hit an enemy but don't kill it, you know? When you don't have enough power yet to kill an enemy. It's this sort of weird, jingly, chimey sound there.
0: Fine.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Kumajo Dracula. <laughs> Noroi no fuin... Or Demon Castle, Dracula, The Cursed Seal, or Seal of the Curse, which has a slightly different meaning, but that's the direct translation. Known to us in America and PAL territories as Castlevania 2 Simon's Quest. What is it? It's the second game in Konami's series of gothic horror themed action platform games, but now with added prominent RPG elements. According to Wikipedia, the second Castlevania game departs for this is the second castlevania game in the series to depart from linear gameplay following vampire killer for the msx2 which we talked about in our previous castlevania show which came out in 1986 and featured the, the non-linear explorative world the design has been compared to nintendo's famous metroid series yielding the metroidvania subgenre the game's exploration system and ideas introduced adventure elements to the series and it would heavily influence future games Symphony of the Night's assistant director, Koji Igarashi, said that the critical reaction to Simon's Quest and its gameplay allowed them to pitch Symphony of the Night to Konami. That was 10 years later, of course, give or take. What are our histories with this second NES game in the series? Next year, we'll be doing some more Castlevania games and we'll be covering some other formats as well. But for now, we're on Famicom Disk System game number two, Mikheel. Yes, go all the way back with Simon's Quest.
2: Pretty much, yeah. Uh, I mean, I never owned it, but uh, we did get the original Castlevania with our NES in uh, early 1990. Mm-hmm. And uh, it made a huge impact on, uh, on me. It uh, really um, spoke to my imagination. And, but I was never able to get past Death, the, the Death Boss. I didn't, of course, know about the Holy Water trick. Um, and I didn't have time to uh, write that wrong for my past before the recording on the original uh, Castlevania, which is why I asked Ben to step in for me. Sorry about that, guys. Um, and, uh, That's
0: quite all right. He <laughs> did a good job,
2: of course. He, he did, yeah, of course. Um, and, but then I remember me and my brother went to a school friend of his uh, that lived like a couple of blocks down. Um, who had this game. And it might have been in 1991 or something. It might have been a little bit later down down the line. Uh, And I had read about Simon's Quest in the uh, Club Nintendo magazine that you used to get for free once you subscribed. Um, And it looked really fascinating. You know, this was very interesting in a time where a lot of sequels on the NES actually deviated quite significantly for... um, yeah, from, the, from their uh, predecessors. Yeah. And it, it that happens so often with major, let's say, game series, um, that it was the norm rather than something peculiar, you know? Um, it's also maybe a reason why I never really got into uh, the later Mega Man games because I felt like, hey, this is just the same game all over again only yeah. with different characters and, and different levels, you know? But it pretty much, pretty much plays and looks the
0: same. Damned so if you I, do and damned if you don't in game Yeah, development. for for me, it definitely... I
2: mean, in that day and time, it was like, oh, this is exciting. You know, they're taking taking the the, the game into a different direction. So I was very intrigued by Simon's Quest. And we started playing it with uh, at that uh, kid's house. And he basically let us play it, but he had the game completely memorized. So he was basically our tour guide throughout the whole game. And he... he Guided us throughout the whole game, told us everything, and we got the best ending, pretty much, you know, <laughs> like on our first go. So that was our experience. Then afterwards, we were so charmed by uh, the game and the music and uh, just the, the general atmosphere of it that we, uh, we borrowed it off him and he borrowed a game from us. And I think we got quite far, but then couldn't remember how to get to Dracula's Castle anymore. So we had everything. We had all the items. And uh, yeah, um, and... We Just couldn't figure out anymore how we to, get to parts, Dracula's really? Castle, yeah, exactly. So it was just like, where the hell was that again, you know? <laughs> and uh, so yeah, and before we uh could uh, finish it a second time, we uh, had to return it to him. But that was uh, yeah, the extent of my um, of my uh, experience with Simon's Quest, and it was for all intents and purposes, you know, it's we will probably get into the uh, sort of reputation that the game has, but for all intents and purposes, it was a very engrossing experience and maybe a bit anticlimactic in places like the the boss fights, of course, but since the boss fights in the original Castlevania were so hard, especially death, of course, uh, I didn't mind it that much that the bosses (laughs) were kind of pushovers in this game. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it it was really engrossing and really atmospheric and really spoke to our imagination. uh, Once again, just this whole idea that, uh, you know it picks up from where the original left off but now Simon is cursed because of having defeated Dracula so it's not it wasn't just a happy ending to the first game that was really yeah quite quite something
0: so yeah we were totally into this game and you have to work for your happy ending in this one as well
2: yeah for sure <laughs> well we didn't because we just had somebody sit right next to us and tell us how to get through the whole thing
0: well yeah effectively same so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyway, so Leah, you've come along on our Castlevania journey so far, and uh, will be joining us again in the future. But uh, what's your actual any connection with this second instalment before?
1: So not much of one. Um, I didn't. I, I've mentioned countless times. I I didn't have an NES when I was of the proper age, and when it was a yeah. uh, kind of the going concern. Um, yeah. But I did play. It probably would have been after I had already played Symphony of the Night, which I think Mm. might have been my first Castlevania game that I played all the way through. Uh, I went back and tried to kind of dabble with some of the other ones that showed up on things like the Wii Virtual Console and, um, you know, just in in various other places. So I'd played Mm. bits of Simon's Quest, but I hadn't really gotten all that far, I don't think, because... It's pretty obtuse <laughs> in a lot of ways, to, to put it mildly. Uh, Just a so, t- Oh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I think I probably messed around with it and, you know, killed some enemies and died and lost a whole bunch of stuff and got upset and Got stopped.
0: confused, got lost. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All
1: of those things. Yeah. So I never actually finished it until wow. uh, playing it uh, for this show, uh, which I did. Uh, I don't know a couple of weeks ago maybe a month ago something like that uh and you know with a guide uh, i 100% needed that guide personally but i played the for this time i played the version that's in the uh, collection for the ps4 Mm -hmm. uh and yeah got all the way through i even with the guide i did not get the best ending because i think that's purely based on how fast you are and i was a little bit too slow to get the best ending so i uh, i got the middle one but i did make it all the way through and um yeah i have opinions we'll we'll get to those i don't want to i don't want to get too uh too far into it uh yet but yeah so that's most of my my history with the game is pretty recent
0: cool cool josh how's about yourself
4: um yeah i i had no experience with simon's quest before um playing it for this recording um i obviously knew it by reputation as one of the the many weird sequels during this generation of consoles mm-hmm. um, but yeah i I played it for the first time and finished it today, in fact, uh, yes. on the switch kind of as part of the same collection that um Leah referenced earlier, and I also did not get the best ending,
0: yeah. Yeah, same. Uh, I played it on the PS4 version of that collection, which is put together by M2 and is very nice. Uh, you can't play the Japanese version of Simon's Quest on that compilation for obvious reasons. Uh, very so, discriminating towards people that have actually uh, learned Japanese. Well, true. Um, but yes, the uh, even though it's a Japanese product... The, it, it launched with just the uh, US ROMs for all the games and then they uh, bre- quickly patched in some of the Japanese versions, which uh, which will be relevant in future podcasts as well. But um, yes, yeah, so I just played that on here and yeah, f- didn't take very long with a guide. I also used a guide extensively because you kind of have to, I'm going to say, pretty much. I mean, you don't really have to, but you kind of have to um especially if you're on a time limit. Yeah. Like there have it's to have just, been people uh... who
1: have beaten this game without a of guide. Course. Like there have to be, but I think that even in the Nintendo era like that's how they were selling Nintendo powers. Like they they did yeah. that because they had guides in there to to kind of Push you along in the right direction. They had that tip line in. I, I don't know whether that was
0: absolutely uh, a uh, premium rate uh, tips line.
1: Yeah, I, I was going to say I don't know if that was a thing outside the U.S., but I guess it was. Um,
2: yeah, even in that little Club Nintendo promotional Mac, they had all these tip sections in there yeah. where yeah. also Simon's Quest was often featured, and uh, you know how to how to find uh, find all the mentions and that sort of thing.
1: I really wonder if many people. I I think that it would be really interesting to be able to find someone in a modern context who could get all the way through the game without any kind of assistance without any you know friends giving you tips or you know reading something on the internet or anything yeah. like that and, and just see how long it took them like I yeah. It, it's yeah it's fascinating to me that would be an
0: interesting challenge would get, yeah you would definitely get the worst ending for oh, sure
1: you would absolutely get the worst ending but like it's, it's, yeah. i just keep thinking like it has to be possible but some of it yeah, would have cool. to be like luck or just stumbling sure. into things because they're like we'll, how, we'll, we'll get in how yeah some of we'll these get things, into the localization yes.
0: <laughs> and 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 that's sort a of type of stuff for sure mm-hmm. uh yes so there we have it the, uh yeah in fact i had never even uh the first time i came across the phrase what a horrible night to have a curse it was it's a little easter egg on a screen in symphony of the night and then it came up it comes up in. Uh, Finding of Isaac as well and uh, and I didn't realize until more recently that this is the game from which it originated so yeah Konami made it obviously the credits are quite amusing in the original uh, game on the I think this is on the Famicom disc system as well the uh, the credits are given out rather than director designer it has invincibility the developer and publisher has circumstance the programmer has ambivalence. The artist has philosophy. The composers have synchronism, excellence and super- superiority. And so it goes on. Much of the team is the same as the first game with uh, Hitoshi Akamatsu returning and uh, Nobuhiro Matsuoka and Noriasu Tog- Togakushi with one notable omission, which is the original composer Kunio Yamashita Departing replaced by, uh, mainly by Kenichi Matsubara, uh, with a couple of others credited as well. Satoi Terashima and Koji Marata. It was released on the Famicom disk system in August 1987. There are a few differences from the, disk, the floppy disk version compared to the NES cartridge version, as you'd expect. It doesn't use passwords. You can use the disk to save. Uh, three save files on the disc. It has different music because of the extra sound channel on the Famicom disc system. There's uh, some minor things like the mansion music also plays when the player is outside the mansion. There's some sound differences, and this one is a is a is a terrible thing as far as I'm concerned. The glass shattering effect of the holy water doesn't exist. Oh,
1: I really like that. In the original, it's,
0: it's like I know it's like yeah. it, it doesn't yeah. even
1: sound like glass shattering. It's just like a kind of tinkle but it's
0: evocative yeah. somehow
2: yeah, yeah i was i was playing on the uh on the nes uh over the weekend uh, to to get a refresher and uh my boy was uh really enjoying that sound as well like yeah. also just quite wondering how because it sounds so different from all the regular sound effects on the nes yeah. that you are used to like
0: wondering how did they how could they yeah. make that you know yes yeah, uh it's crafty i i, I think i singled out the similar one in in the first game for praise it, yeah it, it does it stands out yeah uh, there's a few sound effects altered the secret discovering sound uh plays only when the player initially talks to hidden souls and not after there are some snazzier sounds for the ferryman's actions and the deborah cliff tornado soul ride uh, some variations on the names with the belmont uh, of the western version being belmondo as per the original game There's also a change to Camilla Cemetery being Carmilla Cemetery in the original. Uh, Slightly higher enemy spawn rate in the Japanese version. Mm. And also it's possible to purchase garlic and laurels even after you've filled your stock so you can waste your precious hearts. Nice. According to Moby Games. The NES version arrived in North America December the 1st, 1988. The second issue of the aforementioned Nintendo Power magazine had a cover based on the game. It depicted a man in a suit of armour, probably Simon, holding Dracula's severed head. The cover prompted several phone calls from mothers who claimed it gave their children nightmares. Oh, the stuff of legend. And the Nintendo Power comic strip featuring Howard and Nesta. Two gaming whizzes which would uh, also sort of disclose hints and tips within the comic strip itself. There's an episode of that in a Nintendo Power in which they figure out how to find the Bodley Mansion. PAL version arrived April 1990. I I, I was noticing something, actually, because I was uh, watching
2: this video um, of how to beat Simon's Quest, very extensive, going into a lot of uh, further details of the game. And um so you start out with the regular leather whip and yes. it took the guy four hits to kill a single zombie uh in nightfall in the in the first town. Mm. Um mm. in my version the pal version it only takes me two two hits to to kill a zombie from the beginning with the leather ah. whip. So yeah, I think there two. are uh, mm. yeah there are some some let's say some nerfs or some balance changes in the pal right. version. Yeah, which mm. reminds me of uh, another person's quest on the NES, uh, Festus Quest, which had been <laughs> uh, modified quite a lot from the uh, NTSC version also for the PAL region. Uh, yeah, also had its it
0: had its balance changed quite severely, actually. Right. And we'll definitely get into that on our next Castlevania show, which will be about the arcade machine, also known oh, as yeah. Haunted Castle, with the some of the most extraordinary differences between ROM sets that you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kasuga-san from our forum says, Simon's Quest is a strange beast, very much of its time. When I first played it as a kid, it felt like a revelation. The first game I played with night and day cycles, a free roaming world and puzzles that needed to be solved. Little did I know at the time that some of the more obtuse puzzles were due to poor translation and bugs. Still, it holds a special place for me and hints at what would come a decade later with Symphony of the Night. I'd only suggest extensive play for completionists, But that soundtrack is always the first one that comes to mind when I think of Castlevania. What a horrible night to have a curse. The Wii version arrived, which is effectively, yes, uh, an emulation on the Virtual Console in 2007 and 2008, depending on your region. It arrived again on the 3DS Virtual Console in 2013 and 2014 and on the Wii U in 2014. The NES Classic Edition, it's on there as well. Which arrived in November 2016, but not on the Japanese NES Classic for some, or the Famicom Classic, I guess it was for some reason. Uh, There's a revamped version, which is an unofficial fan game that arrived for Windows in 2016, 17 times. It's sort of given a a kind of unofficial remaster, makes it look more like a 16-bit kind of incarnation of Simon's Quest. I think there was actually possibly an official Windows version at some point on the line, but I couldn't find any. Release data, and yes, the most recent release officially, I believe, is for PS4, Xbox One, PC, and Switch, the Castlevania Anniversary Collection, which came out nearly three years ago now. Well, two and a half years, May 2019. The artwork for the game, the original box featuring Dracula standing on a balcony, bears a striking resemblance, shall we say, to the cover of the 1983 Dungeons and Dragons module Ravenloft. <laughs> yeah striking resemblance indeed
1: i should mention um i i do actually have a complete in box copy of castlevania 2 um because nice. i decided around the time that i started collecting some older stuff that i would like to have the nes castlevanias and it turns out that that yeah. one is at least in the u.s by far the easiest one to find so i still have yeah, that one that makes sense uh and not the other two because they're very expensive and i have not uh mm. i have not uh, done anything about that yet But I do have two, and uh, yeah, I like the art.
0: Can you whack it? You've got a Retron, haven't you? I do. Does it would it would it play in there? It would, would, yes. Ah, very good, very good. The reviews at the time were uh, mixed, not entirely positive, especially compared to the original, but also not entirely negative. Famitsu, for example, it has a twenty-eight out of forty rating, so an average of seven from each of the four scoring contributors. In recent years, more recent years, going back as far as 2007, Nintendo Life has re-reviewed the game three times for its various virtual console releases, giving it 5 out of 10 on the Wii, 5 out of 10 on the 3DS, but for some reason, whoever it was who reviewed the Wii U incarnation slightly preferred it with a 6 out of 10. GameSpot gave it a 6.5 out of 10 at the time, 7 on IGN, and 7.5 on game trailers.
2: See, there you go. I think uh, people had to just you know, get to grips with the fact that that uh, Angry Video Game Nerd review was just a little bit exaggerated for comedic effect <laughs> as well. Yeah, uh, it, it took it took angry- a, It took a little while for people to sort of, uh yeah, uh,
0: distance themselves from that uh, very strongly voiced opinion. Back in 2007, I think that was Angry Video Game Nerd, the YouTuber's, what's his name, something, Rolf? James Rolf, yeah. I think that, that was his yeah. first video. First that came ever out video. Yeah. yeah, that's right. It's still up. Uh looks very grainy and low res and, and small and things now, but it's still there. User reviews wise on Nintendo life. It has a 6.5 out of 10 from 70 folks who've registered a score. So the famous vampire hunter, Simon Belmont or Belmondo is back following his victory against Dracula in the original game. Belmont is struck by the count's deadly curse and must track down and destroy Dracula's missing body parts. Remember how they flew off at the end of the first game to save himself, Castlevania 2 expands on its predecessor with the addition of new adventure elements and also a day and night system. During daytime, talk to the locals and gather clues and weapons and prepare for the creatures that appear when the sun goes down. It's seventh in the series' canonical chronology, set seven years after the original. And as the title screen has it, step into the shadows of the Hell House. You've arrived back here at Transylvania on business to destroy forever the curse of the evil Count Dracula
1: no hellhouse was uh the final fantasy VII remake we did that a couple of weeks ago um <laughs> it's different
0: they have a hellhouse in don't they
1: <laughs> <laughs> they they sure do uh
0: so visually uh well, obviously we're still on the same hardware the famicom and the nes which graphically uh, are similarly capable of course many games would go on to include chips on board the cartridge itself i think castlevania 3 benefits from this for example i know super mario brothers 3 did i'm not sure if i think this was just a two simple two megabit cartridge so hard is that half a megabyte uh using the original nes's capabilities palette scrolling and all that kind of thing Uh, but as you mentioned earlier mikhiel with that by today's standards very limited tool set they made something that's, uh, I'd say, quite distinctive. I mean, it, it does resemble the original game, but it—I would say—it has a, maybe a, a slightly, yeah, gloomier tone.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, of course, recurring motifs are the uh, tiles that you walk on, these sort of blocks, mm. and of course the stairs. And then there's the Simon sprite, which uh, looks to be a modified sprite from its uh, original incarnation. Mm. So he's a there's a little bit more detail uh, on him. He has, uh, he appears to be more armor clad or wear wear more more of a uniform almost like a war hero of some sort uh and uh, he has these uh, shoulder pads as well
1: well he came prepared this time you see last time maybe not much. yeah
2: pauldrons <laughs> mm-hmm. last time he just <laughs> wandered into that castle like a total idiot with his whip yeah
1: <laughs> it's it's kind of nice also that um you mentioned briefly that um there is a day and night cycle so you have not only the artwork for just the the environments that you're going through you have kind of two sets of the environment artwork because you have one for the day cycle and one for the night cycle and that includes not only the backgrounds and you know kind of the lighting and colors but also different enemies in some situations that uh, can Mm -hmm. really be a bit of a pain but also are good for farming sometimes if you uh, end up in one of the towns at nightfall.
0: Yes a lot of walking along ledges and uh, waiting for enemies to pop whacking them and then going back the other direction and so on and so on. Did anyone else find
4: that um, in terms of being able to track where your character is and platform uh, obviously there are false platforms that we'll get into oh, yeah. but generally speaking where platforms are where you can jump there was a bit more visual clarity this time versus mm-hmm. the original
0: yeah yeah i think yeah. i learned some for, i think there's there's just one tile which i've uh, it's a kind of a, a more a rough hewn stone tile yeah that could yeah. that I, I wasn't quite certain about whether it was in the background or not at first but you know you give it a try and <laughs> you hope you get away with it obviously if you're playing a, an uh, emulated version you can do a cheeky save state or b- before or whatever but actually yeah talking about playing this on the anniversary collection as we did uh i didn't because of the, this game is actually quite uh i would say yeah overall i would say it was less challenging in terms of actual uh you know difficulty in terms of enemies and bosses and that kind of thing I didn't really need to abuse save states in this one so no. much as utilize them as a time-saving device but actually yeah and also the I'm jumping ahead here but because of the lives and and continue situation it's like you're not going to get kind of shut out in the same way that you you might on the original game
3: yeah
1: you can get you can get kind of uh Messed up by the save system, or not the save system, the continue system a bit, but yeah, it's definitely not as harsh in my opinion. Like if you ha- if you die mm. and have to continue while you are carrying a load of hearts, you then lose all your hearts. So it's it is a little True. rough in that way, but it's not something you can never recover from. You're still in the same yeah. spot that you were, so that's that's really nice. And regarding the the platform thing, I, I definitely agree. There were. Only a couple of spots, and I posted one. I posted one of these on my uh, Twitter when I was playing it. Um, mm. a a video of this, but there are a couple yes. of spots, and this is, I think, a combination of the mechanics and the artwork where it looks like you should be able to make a jump, but if you don't jump at the appropriate part, then you just yeah. won't. Uh, and what I'm mm. specifically thinking about is, if any, if you've played this game, then you will probably remember the uh, there's, I think, two maybe locations where there are a set of just individual blocks going up and down, yeah. and it looks like either yeah. you should rising be able to rising and falling. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And you have to kind of platform across them, but you will jump higher and a little bit farther if you jump when the block is rising as opposed to when it is falling. I guess the block is supposed to boost you up or something like that. But it never really tells you that. You just kind of have to figure that part out by yourself. And um, that did lead to me occasionally uh, getting all the way across uh, a set of blocks and then dropping directly into the lake on my Uh last attempt. Thankfully, the rewind function is there, too. So, uh, yeah. Or wait, actually, does it, does it have Rewind? I don't, I don't think I used Rewind. I definitely... No, I don't think it does
0: have Rewind, yeah. no.
1: I, d- I made save states, but I rarely actually used them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 that slightly weird physic, physics thing on the blocks was... Uh, ben actually kind of forewarned me about that and also told me that actually if you jump uh, and whip, you actually get two or three pixels extra height on every jump. <laughs>
2: Yeah, exactly. You need to whip before you reach the height of your jump, and you yeah. get propelled just slightly higher, and it's much easier to make the uh, more tricky jumps.
0: Yeah. yeah. Technical, well, we've still got a little bit of flicker and some slowdown and stuff, as is pretty much expected for an NES game or Famicom era game, but nothing that ruined my day. It was. It was funny. Watching the game really, because c- there is
4: situation because of the way the game spawns enemies, where they they spawn off screen. Right, the moment you walk off, they spawn yeah. to the sides of your screen. You can create situations where there's clearly more enemies, than, too many that get the yeah. game can yeah. cope with. And yeah. just watching, especially it, in those mansions. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, especially in the mansions, watching that game struggle to deal with en- enemies up top hmm. and below was was uh, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't it wasn't game ruining or anything, but it was like
0: yeah, it's a bit it was a bit awkward. First comparison to a Fromsoft a modern Fromsoft game. <laughs> if you get too many enemies in the in the same place, the frame rate tanks.
4: Uh, Blighttown Blight <laughs> Town yeah. all over again.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, most of the original artwork for Simon's Quest and the other early Castlevania games was lost during the Great Henshin earthquake of nineteen ninety five, which is Definitely
2: a not Henshin agogo Gogo.
0: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> too soon yeah uh, musically so yeah the game soundtrack mainly composed by kenichi matsubara who later created music for the arcade machine haunted castle that we'll talk about next year uh, bloody tears which appears in both has since become a recurring song in the franchise GameSpy called all of the music incredible and was also one of the first appearances of classics like the silence of daylight
1: check out uh, my and McKeel's uh, um, Castlevania music special for more of this.
0: Very good. Yeah, we, we did Thank do you. that. That's we true. Do. Yeah. Yes. Sound of Play, it's still available. The podcast is uh, not currently going, but it's not being uh, delisted. Uh, not delisted. Only, when delisted. The,
2: uh, only when the remastered Sound of Play comes out. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Definitive topical. edition.
0: Topical and satirical. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Uh, fans of the music? Oh yeah.
4: yeah, I'm yeah, I mean it's very telling that um this isn't the first time I'm hearing most of this this music. Um obviously bloody tears I've, it's been featured in multiple Castlevania games and and the Castlevania T V series, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. It's it's a great piece of music and, and deserving of its reputation.
2: Yeah, I love all the music in the in the game, the uh, the mansion theme and the uh, Day daytime theme uh, in the in the in the towns, you know, um, the nighttime theme as well. It's uh, yeah, all those tunes. And there's there's maybe it's also because there's not a lot of different tunes that a lot of them really stuck with me, and uh, you know, mm. they're uh, yeah, humdingers that just stuck around, and I I always kept remembering even for those many years that I didn't have a ness with uh, with this game anymore.
1: Yeah, for sure. They they in in a lot of the early Castlevania games they really just kind of nailed it with the soundtracks and they knew that they nailed it with the soundtracks because they kept bringing back the music from those really early ones and kind of just retweaking it a little bit there's not as many new tracks in some of the later games as you might think i mean there are obviously new tracks mm, but uh, mm. a lot of it is remixes and uh, and just kind of different versions of what they came up with pretty early on
0: and how about other than the Holy water smashing sound, which we all like, <laughs> which isn't apparently present in the Famicom Disc version. Uh, how about the audio for the sound effects and and moment to moment stuff?
4: When you shove a steak into one of those orbs, that's pretty oh, yeah. satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> mm.
0: Yeah.
2: But uh, there's a, there's some actual screen shake going on uh, when that happens, right? There yeah, is, yeah. 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 Early example of juice in video games. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. uh well, I'm I'm again I think the sound for a a, a, a suite of sound effects for an 8-bit game uh, all very satisfying not too much that kind of stands out as being uh kind of I don't know uh, inappropriate or or, or a, a juxtaposition to the action it all kind of seems to fit well obviously you're you're very mindful of the kind of limitations there's a lack of ability to use actual real sounds so uh but of course for many of us who have a lot of affection and fondness for this era of things. It's actually it's quite refreshing and and kind of just enjoyable in itself to hear 8-bit sounds, 8-bit video game audio rather than something As as much as, obviously, we'll sing the praises of great modern audio. There is something that's just very cool about old video game sounds for those of us of a certain age. And I think possibly for those of us, I think younger people as well, kind of dig it. As, as its own aesthetic.
4: No, nah, I hate it. No,
0: I, <laughs> it, it's it's great. Do you still count as younger people? I mean, I, I know you are think younger. So.
4: <laughs> yeah, true. The moment I crossed 30, yeah, I, I lost <laughs> that title. But yeah, I, I still like it, even even as someone who's, um, uh, you know, on the younger side. Let's. You say.
0: grew up with games that sounded like more like real life, put it that yeah, way, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. rather than games that were bleeps and bloops, as we so often. Yeah call it well let's get into the gameplay because i think that is the the meat of the experience particularly in in this one because uh, a lot of the the other stuff is kind of yeah familiar from the first game the gameplay however is well the actual the the purest core of it the jumping the whip swinging the hitting of skeletons and stuff that's kind of the same as well
3: Mm.
0: but when asked if Metroid had had any influence on the development of the game, Akamatsu instead cited a game called The Maze of Gallius, another platform adventure game by Konami that featured puzzle solving. So this game came out in uh, on the MSX originally when Konami were making, uh, I think they were actually, they, they tended to focus on the MSX for a few years, but they were they were certainly just as much about the MSX as they were about the Famicom. Uh, so April 1987, this game arrived, and then uh, August in uh, on the Famicom. Japan only, never came out in the West, this game. It was directed by or designed by uh, Ryuhei Shogaki. And yeah, this is, uh, well, tellingly, the translated title would be Demon Castle Legend 2. Uh, so even though it is not a Castlevania game, it is a game about, you know, a kind of... Um, heroic warrior going into a demonically possessed domain killing enemies but yeah so apparently i mean to me it it makes sense obviously we know history tells us that the the konami goes back to the the original action the pure more platform action well after this game but given how many games now are this kind of uh, amalgam of genres to the extent that most modern action games are ex- you know, deeply infused with RPG elements, it kind of makes sense that they attempted this back, back in, in 1987. But perhaps it was, perhaps perhaps this series wasn't, you know, or perhaps the, the, the design chops weren't there yet, perhaps the, the series wasn't ready for it there's to me there's so much about this game that is fascinating and and appears to even be uh epoch defining in some ways you know mm. breaking the mold mm. but also things that become a lot more kind of refined in in the uh, <laughs> in the industry later on
4: yeah like it, it feels like the first attempt of a of a lot of ideas that mm. I will go on. To absolutely adore yeah. in later games that they're featured in, and you know we 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 mentioned the localization um, uh, previously. Um, I do wonder how much of this experience would be far less obtuse if the English <laughs> localization was in a better state, um, like. Uh, Here's the second reference to Dark Souls. Sorry, everyone, Um, you're going to be absolutely wasted by the end of this recording. uh, Unfortunately, (laughs) Um, like Dark Souls does this, you know, it 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 hints at stuff through item descriptions, it hints at stuff through NPC dialogue, and it never directly points you where you need to go. It it's up to you. It's just that the localization is up to a standard where you could conceivably figure it out on your own without any hints or without anyone helping you out. It's still obtuse, but it's not impossibly obtuse. Here it feels like, like, how was I meant to figure that out based on what that NPC was saying? Like, and there's so many things that you have to do that the, the, the level doesn't visually indicate that that's a possibility. Like, like, getting the gems and then kneeling for five seconds to reveal a secret or to get a tornado there's just nothing (laughs) to indicate that um and i do think you know it's it's maybe a limitation of both technology and skill set like you can only show so much only put so much on the screen in in this era of video games and maybe if they had access and well we know for sure that's what would happen right later on later examples find ways to subtly um you know cue the player in on on what's meant to happen here but i
1: don't think that that's impossible in this area either though just judging by things like i mean nintendo first party with the mario games is really good at that kind of stuff so I it, and, um, it's not that yeah. I think they're, you know, failing or anything like that. I just think that they hadn't quite dialed that part in with with mm. as Josh, you said the um the resources that they yeah. had. Uh and I don't know or if there was a way that could have happened, but yeah, it mm. it mm, I this is this is where I really struggle with this game because it is just the localization just fails and I I hate to say that, but it I mm, it's it's not good. It's
4: become it, but, legendary but it it's it's funny though because the challenge almost for me at least I can't speak for everyone, but like for me, the challenge almost exclusively existed in how obtuse the game was, yeah because with a guide, I found most of the obstacles, most of the enemies to be pretty much a non issue mm-hmm. even the bosses like. Once you know like the sub weapon that takes that boss out, um, they're they're just complete pushovers. There are
1: some bosses that so, you can just walk past. <laughs> like,
2: yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: And it, it's kind of the development of going from an action platformer to something more akin to an action RPG, right? Like, yeah, uh, you know, obstacles are. It's more the challenge is more like trying to find your way around in the exploration uh, aspect and. You know, if, if there's some something yeah. like a leveling system, like grinding XP and and making your character stronger, so that the enemies pose less of a problem. So it's it's less there's less of a skill demand in that sense, like a a strength yeah. action game skill sense.
4: And I and I love that they attempted that, and it it they were clearly onto something. And and I think they in some ways they were ahead of the curve because yeah, like I said previously, like. When this is executed well, I absolutely adore it. I just think that you know this screams of first draft, right it It feels like this needed to, this almost needs to fail in the ways that it fails in order for the later successes to happen so that they can learn from this.
0: yeah, yeah so yeah, the control of simon feels much the same maybe not 100 percent identical but really really close as does whipping the whip i would say uh, i guess one of the first key differences is that your sub weapons are no longer dictated by how many hearts you've got uh, in fact they're unlimited once you've got them they stay with you and you can uh, use them except the ones that require heart power to th- Throw, which I... Yeah, so that kind of goes back to the first game. There's the... There's the Sacred Flame and... And the uh, dagger thing. The the
2: Golden Dagger, I think? Yeah. 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 The Diamond as well.
0: Yeah. Oh, the Diamond. Okay, so they do still... Right, okay. So a selection of them do still use hearts, but it's less of a concern because... Well, I found it less of a concern because most of the time you're kind of going around trying to max out your hearts to the 256th level anyway, for normally for one of two reasons... One is that once you collect a certain amount, if you're at a certain point in the game, you can level up and get a bigger health bar, but also you need to spend them because they're also money, uh, weirdly. Uh, they're also the way that you get laurels, which protect you from poison, and uh, garlic, which summons mysterious people from, <laughs> from nowhere, uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, upgrades to your whip and things like that.
4: Leon, so let me get this straight. Yeah. This game has a currency that you yeah. use to level up and buy things. What game <laughs> yeah. is that
0: similar to? I I'm yeah. just I can't put my finger on it. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> I do wonder. I mean, Kingsfield, which was it was was Kingsfield from Software's first RPG. Yeah. Uh, it was
3: yes, I think. I, I want
0: to say yes. Yeah. Only 1994, so only only seven years after this, six seven years after this, did Kingsfield arrive. Obviously, it was 3D. Mm. um you could say it was uh it was a, a precursor to <laughs> castlevania 3d or something but yeah it's i mean there's no doubt there's going to be some some crossover here yeah. the other uh, other from software type things that we now perhaps more commonly associate even though obviously castlevania is just as uh famous and storied a franchise and longer running is the the way that not all of the mansions but most of them after you've completed them you kind of Get you there's a shorter way back to to get yeah. back out that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, and I'm sure there were others as well. But um, Simon's
2: Quest is, of course, not uh, a wholly unique game, even in this time period or uh, shortly after that. Sure. I mean, there was Zelda too, which uh, took yes. a similar approach. There. Or the, yes. the the Monster World or Monster Land games as well, of course. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, if you go if you talk about atmosphere and it's sort of dark fantasy horror kind of thing, of course. That's more closely linked to uh, from software games.
0: But yeah, there's, there, there are quite a lot of these kinds of games around. One thing I did, talking about the leveling up and the, the health system, uh, I, the leveling up in itself, I found a little obtuse. I had to look up a guide because, again, the game doesn't explain this to you. You can level up. Maybe it explains that to you somewhere. There is, you can find the manual online. Uh, possibly it's even linked in the, if you buy the the compilation, but you can only level up to a certain level, depending on where you are in the game. Right. So you can go, I think you can level up to level six in total, but you can't just grind at the start of the game to the top level. You have to make sure that you've, I I think it's dictated by maybe how many mansions you've done or how many, how many stakes you've, driven through objects or whatever. <laughs> uh, does, and so by the end of the game, you should be level four, five, or six. Does ideally.
1: leveling up actually get you anything other than more health?
0: I don't think so. Because I'm pretty
1: sure that the um, the power, like your attack power, is solely dictated by whatever weapon you have equipped. or, or Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've
2: purchased. No, it gives... Yeah. It gives you more health, but also uh, it basically gives you armor. So you you take less damage from enemies once you level up. So it's twofold in that way.
1: Gotcha. I
0: think I was level four by the end of the game. And I found that the length of the health bar plus the the extra durability meant that it was uh, other than jumping into water. Because (laughs) whatever you do, don't do that. Yeah. other than insta death situations, I was I was pretty durable. Yeah, pretty, in the, pretty no nonsense. In the grand tradition,
1: yeah. uh, in the grand tradition of all of his ancestors, Simon Belmont cannot swim.
0: No. Well,
4: I he really can't.
1: he
0: is wearing chainmail like. Pr- That's
1: prision, true. Right. That, so, to be fair, mm. yes, yeah. that is correct. <laughs> yeah.
2: Should be fitted with scuba apparatus. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you, you know, and and of course, in uh, in older times, uh, people didn't always take swimming courses and swimming lessons. True, but no. uh, I mean, you'd expect somebody to paddle around in the water before they sink a little bit, right? Yeah, he really really
4: doesn't even try. Yeah. yeah,
0: he makes John Marston look like a uh, uh, Michael Phelps or something. It's unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> bless him. But yeah, it's a, it's I guess. We we talked a little bit about the sort of reverse difficulty curve of a much later Metroidvania type game when we talked about Ori and the Will of the Wisps yesterday. And this game isn't so different from that in that respect. Obviously, Ori has 30 years of game design and uh, and arguably, I'm sure some would say those people who prefer the more obtuse games design of the 80s and 90s that maybe you know modern games have too much handholding and stuff. I mean, I don't know if you label if you give Ori in particular that label with its kind of high death rates and stuff, but um, but the actual the, that that sort of reverse difficulty situation is it's sort of present here to an extent. I mean, the fact that uh. Even even with the the three boss fights that there are, I think it's three, isn't it? Uh, Camilla, Death, and Dracula. Is that right? Uh, the even I, I, those those were in reverse order of difficulty for me because by the time I was at Dracula, I just threw however many golden daggers it is, so they just never got out of stun lock. Yeah. <laughs> that was
2: that <laughs> stun the bosses immediately. Yeah, and the funny thing is also. Unless you want the items uh, that Death and Camilla have, and I think Camilla's is actually necessary, you can just yeah. walk through the room towards the the, the indeed the area where the orb is, and just throw the stake and get and the they item and they respawn when on. you come back out. Hey and you just guys
1: just say, here for the body ya. part. Don't mind me. You keep throwing your sides. I'll yeah. just uh, <laughs> I'll just get this <laughs> yeah, thing exactly. get out of your hair.
0: <laughs> the the leaving of those rooms reminded me of the the notorious. Final boss of the uh, the mid eighties platformer Bruce Lee, which was uh, the, <laughs> the, the 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 end boss that you complete by holding right on the stick to get to the other side of the room before he hits you with anything, uh, is is very much like the reverse of that. Hold left, and you're out of there. Uh, so to, I, I,
4: yeah. I'm pretty sure Death is the only boss that actually managed to get a hit on me um, because. Obviously there's the technique with Dracula to um stun lock him but with Car- Carmilla if you have Dracula's rib equipped Carmilla can't do anything to you either you just as long as you stand still you just yeah. stand still wait for them to stop doing whatever you know spraying the room with bullets and yeah. then <laughs> whip away it, it's it's just so funny to come off of Castlevania yeah. 1 where I gent like Grim Reaper took me well over fifteen times, you mm-hmm. know, fifteen attempts to yeah. to get through to this where ev- everything and everyone is a complete pushover. Yeah. it's mm. it's so
0: surreal. <laughs> if you know what's what, and I suppose. I mean, I'm trying to think because we have to bear in mind that we've played up to this with like we know we know what Dracula's rib does because we read a guide, right? Yeah, true. You wouldn't. I mean, you were You could. You could work that out because. I mean, even the little menu system is kind of, you know, it's kind of funky, kind of old school. You've just got two little arrows that you toggle between the various items that you've picked up. The items don't have a description. They're just a little tiny little eight bit icon.
1: No, but you do get the, the the change to the sprite with the rib in particular where he's holding a shield. Yeah. So, like, exactly. I can, I can yeah. see that one maybe. But, yeah. yeah, some of the other ones, like, like the crystals. Yeah. Like, how would you know?
0: yeah yeah but no it's it's interesting that philosophically they went so far from the first games pure action things all the way to the other end where it's all about the solution the puzzle and the solution and i think that contemporary games both in this series and by other developers such as from software and countless others of in, countless others indies as well try sort of try to find that balance between the 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 twitch you know the hand eye coordination the action ability and the the working out the envir- you know the story the environment the puzzles the the solutions to things this is this just leapt from the get good at jumping and whipping to work this weird <laughs> nonsense out <laughs> and then <laughs> and then you will pass yeah <laughs> So, yeah, you travel between towns and castles and scary areas in between rather than walking from uh, scrolling through levels and uh, occasionally going up and down staircases. You now have to kind of map your way through the entire world of this game. Uh, Places link up in, I would say, semi-logical ways. but
2: There's an area of the map that sort of wraps around, right? If you uh, pass Debra's Cliff with the uh, tornado... And then keep walking towards um, the left. You end up uh, all the way on the right side of the map again, where the in the in the
0: graveyard. That's it. There's yeah. also a
1: so the ferryman who uh, takes you different mm. places depending on what depending you have on what equipped. item you yeah, yeah, yeah
0: what yeah. what you show him yeah
2: um, yeah yeah. I, I thought that uh, was just the overall map design. I thought it was kind of cool when I was playing it as a, as a kid. Just it it felt mysterious, you know. The the place felt yeah. felt yeah weird and alive and mysterious in a
0: way it does even though despite what we've sort of said about the level of difficulty of the action and stuff uh it, it starts off pretty challenging i would say uh and again without a guide you're going to spend a lot of time in the wrong place effectively in the wrong location yeah. heading for the wrong in the wrong direction and that's when the game is ch- really challenging on an action level because in rpg style like walking into the wrong area of the map or overworld on a Final Fantasy game or something like that. You can just find yourself kind of outmatched because you haven't yet got the, the best whip or, or, or enough armor. And that's that know, starts uh,
1: right off from the first town. I think it's if you go left. Don't go
0: left. Yeah. yeah. That you just
1: <laughs> you just get rocked immediately. Uh and, you know, you would think that it would make sense to if you can't go that way or if you're having a really hard time to go right instead, but if people are used to the difficulty level of the original Castlevania, then they just might think, well, this game is just hard, you know, so.
2: Yeah, yeah, but you can't go too far left originally, Mm. because there's a poison swamp then immediately, Mm. you know?
0: Yeah, but I mean, again, without the without going into every room in a nearby town, any of the open doors, only during the day and speaking to every shadowy hooded figure within and in many cases having to holy water the heck out of all the walls and floors to find out to find a man you need to speak to and then find out that he's holding laurels, which I believe are just leaves, right? They're laurel leaves.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh you wouldn't even know that there was a way of safely traversing the glowy swamp. You might try and do it without like with full health or something. Or you might think there was some trick to it. And again, I'm conscious that it all seems quite logical when you know the solution. Mr. Ixolite from the forum says, Being well aware of the reputation of this game, when I finally got around to trying it, I wanted to give it the best conditions possible. I would play with a guide from the start to get me through the Byzantine exploration and reach the dungeons, which I assumed would be more traditional Castlevania platformer level fare. Smooth out the nonsense and leave the basic platformer underneath. So, I set out in the general direction the guide told me to, and promptly got lost. After following the guide to the letter, I arrived at the first mansion, only to find yet more labyrinthine level design. There were dead ends. I had to find a hidden merchant and buy a stake before I could complete the dungeon. By the time the false platforms arrived, I gave up, because I was inching close to using the guide for every action I took in the game. The nonsense was top to bottom. Castlevania 2 had taken some of my favourite things from the original, the unique levels, the leanness, the sense of persistent progress, and replaced them with repetitive locales, grinding, and confused meandering back and forth. It was all the weaknesses of the game's more open-ended descendants, and none of the strengths, and I'm glad they pivoted back to more traditional design, at least for a while. Discuss panel.
2: Yeah, I I could see people having that uh, opinion when they come to it now for sure.
1: <laughs> I I mean he's not wrong. Uh it, it's it, there's there's a lot in here with that's it, it's just poorly signposted. Like it just doesn't we we talked about this a little bit already, but it the localization in my opinion is really where the problems are because you can it's
0: not fit for for purpose really you can
1: just go everywhere and talk to every person and go into every building (laughs) and still not have any idea because (laughs) it just it doesn't make what they're saying oftentimes does not make traditional sense (laughs) so yeah i i i would really like to see a remake of this game that had and i wonder about the the kind of six the steam version of leon that you mentioned mm. previously if it if it did anything to the localization or if it was just a graphical thing um no
0: i think certainly there's a there's a there's a there's a version uh which is a a, a redaction patch version mm. this was from 2009 which uh, all of the false hints have been removed the game is hard enough to figure out on its own <laughs> and the items are too costly to waste. Some of the dialogue has been moved around in the game to make it flow smoother. Thus, you are no longer told halfway through the game that the church heals you. Someone in each town will tell you which town you're in. This makes navigation easier. Place names now match those found in the game's literature. (laughs) The really vague hints have been made clearer. You no longer need to know what a that uh, uh, know what a flame flickers inside the ring of fire means. <laughs> Several more hints have been added throughout the game that help explain what you need to do and where you need to go next. Signs are much more descriptive. They tell you the direction to other towns, mansions and landmarks. The prologue explains the story better and the endings have been rewritten so they are now fitting for how well you do. Mm. So that's one way of playing. That's just the 8-bit graphics, the game as it was, but with yeah quality of life up the... Mid uh, Or the late 2000s wazoo.
1: (laughs) And and, and I mean, I don't even think that it necessarily would need to be, would need to spell everything out. I I just think that the, maybe a better way to say it would be that I feel like the obtuseness of the hints is not intentional. If they were to go in and have... Worded the hints and even the false hints. Like you know, if you if you want to put that kind of misleading thing in there, and you know, have the the characters who are giving you the false hints be super shifty, and you know, like ha ha, he'll never figure that out. And and you know, like <laughs> yeah, you know, th- there are ways to put that kind of thing in there. That if they had done it intentionally, I think it would have been it it might have struck a better balance between being difficult and being just frustrating because you know it it would have had more of a um it it would have had more of an intentionality to it that that the the current localization just doesn't really allow for
4: it it, it's it's not just the localization though i think Mm. one of the things that frustrated me um we, we didn't really mention i i referenced them earlier but we didn't really go into it but the the false platforms that feature throughout the game oh yeah um i thought at one point that i had figured out the visual language for them because there was one mansion what? where there was where that <laughs> one that's <the> thing <laughs> well that's the thing i thought i'd figured it out but yes yeah. <laughs> um there was one mansion where every time there was a false uh platform there was like a pillar behind it and i was like ah oh, that's it there's always something behind the platform if it's false no like immediately the next area that that's dropped uh entirely and having like i'm not asking for you you know like what a zelda game would do with you know put like cracks in the platform or yeah. something like that i'm not well, that's asking fairly for established
0: that. as a reasonable thing to do but yeah sure it does yeah. something
1: in a couple of places that that could have been neat if if it had been consistent which is that like there will be enemies on the platform but they'll stop and won't walk over the places that are false yeah. floors or those uh,
2: jellyfish like blobs that uh, yeah. that actually sort of float through the false mm-hmm. platform they'll go as through well. them yeah. yeah but but it's you not consistent
1: well. is the thing yeah exactly it's, it's yeah. sometimes it's just the floor, the floor is just not there, and yeah. you have had really no way to know that. So, so, so yeah. what
2: that tells you to do is that uh, Simon goes into these places like a complete religious zealot and starts <laughs> throwing, throwing bottles of holy water, water. water all over the place. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> now, why didn't they do that in the churches so they could stay open at night? Yeah, exactly. I mean, what's that all about? Like, there, there's the, these these uh, supposed people of faith of the cloth they're so lacking in confidence of the power of their holy cathedrals that they lock them up at night in case i don't know yeah monsters get in <laughs> thought it was sacred like but
1: you have to yell in front of the church like that that too like that's that's another weird one it's just oh,
0: Yeah. like you have it's scream
2: in front of the church it, yeah. okay
1: well what's the yell button like i don't but no i mean <laughs> that's just a to silly to, re, but...
2: to replenish your health but mm-hmm. really all you have to do is just go inside and talk to the priest yep Where's the hug button?
1: Oh yeah. man, this yeah. would be such a good missing. game if it had a hug button. Can you imagine?
2: <laughs> if only you could just if only you could just hug the monsters.
1: That's all exactly. Dracula Insta- wants. He wants his body parts <laughs> yeah. back and he wants a hug. Probably
0: yeah. got daddy issues. <laughs> Psychohype from the forum says, I can't really think of many games that deliberately lie to the player about where to go next. <clears throat> but this game does. In fact, have NPC townspeople who will straight up tell you hints that are deceitful or misleading. The manual for the game even warns you about, th- about this in advance. Personally, I actually find that aspect of the game kind of funny and, dare I say, bold. What's even funnier, however, is that the English translation is so bad, I'm pretty sure that some of the NPC dialogue that was supposed to be helpful was inadvertently botched so as to be effectively useless. So yeah, you're going to need a guide in at least a few crucial areas but that still leaves a lot of the game game world that can be navigated independently with a bit of patience, persistence and experimentation. When I talk about the game being tedious, I'm mostly referring to the mechanic where you essentially have to walk around dropping holy waters with each step as you explore the game's mansions, aka the dungeon areas. By doing so, you'll be able to spot the false flaws that litter the game's levels. If Simon's Quest were a modern game, there would probably be no such thing as false flaws But if there were false floors, I'm sure the designers would at least do something like make it so that after you fall through once, the false floor tile actually disappears. That way, the player doesn't have to keep remembering where each hidden pitfall is located. Obviously, the makers of Simon's Quest weren't so kind or forward-thinking. That reminds me, funnily enough, I uh, was just playing the first, just randomly, the first Gears of War game the other day, and uh, that has a section with collapsing floors that don't have any particular visual language to them. I don't know if anyone remembers it. There's a bit where you're rattling about some floorboards, wooden looking floorboards above a nest of the little lurky Creatures and uh <laughs> that bit even back in yeah in two thousand and six, when I first played that, like yeah, so you get up to the shaky floorboard, you can't avoid falling through it it just once once you touch it, you're in, then you have to climb back out and then go back across the floor slowly again until you fall through the next one, and you know, and that felt very antiquated even even by two thousand and six, so playing this now, yeah, even more so, I would say,
4: just to um once again bring up bring up From Software sure. um, Psycho Hype <laughs> mentioned, um, are there any other games with NPCs that lie to you and deceive mm. you and, and do mm. devious things? This is definitely something that From would experiment with, you know, Demon mm. Souls has that NPC that slowly murders every other NPC in your home base um, Lock Trek in Dark Souls um, straight up lies to you at several points um, and I believe there's a, another. I've forgotten their name, but there's another NPC in Bloodborne that uh, mm. tricks you so that they can murder a murder another character. So yeah. Oh yes,
0: you're right. Yes, there is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we've mentioned a few of the items. Uh, the 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 rib bone is. I mean, again, the connections seem a little bit arbitrary. The rib bone allows you to hold a shield.
2: Yeah, hold a rib in front of you. Yeah, yeah.
0: You're just—it's like, a, a wide rib. It's not a rib. <laughs> You're bashing the bullets
4: away with a rib. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. Sure. It just transforms uh, in
2: in in Simon's mind. It transforms into a shield, but he's actually holding a rib.
0: Yeah. And the nail allows you to what? Smash through stuff. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, what does the eyeball let you do? It's one of the now, other. No, the eyeball you to... shows you hidden stuff like uh, hint books. Yeah. The hint books. Okay, yeah. So that's I. I this is one of the things I wanted to say. Like, I think the idea was, and maybe this was more true in the original Japanese, we have to bear in mind, and, and this used to come up a lot in terms of localizations and translations. So what would happen is with 8 and 16-bit games in particular, the text boxes would be the same size in both the Japanese and Western versions, English language versions, for memory and coding reasons technical reasons so then they would have to replace the japanese characters uh whether it's kanji or, or katakana which uh, are both particularly kanji can fit multiple meanings into one character right or multiple words into one to make to make phrases out of one character whereas when you translate that into the english each character is just a letter and therefore you're effectively limited the amount you can actually communicate within the same size text box, as I understand it. Then combined with a probably a, yeah, like an in-house or or you know hastily knocked together translation, I think the idea was, right, that in the original game, with persistence and patience, and yeah, possibly waiting for your issue of the magazine to come out and phoning the Japanese Nintendo tips line if that one existed yeah if that one existed but,
2: that's a big question actually in these yeah. uh, accusations of it being yeah. a cynical ploy
0: to, to get people to phone hint lines yeah it may have been deliberately in- <laughs> brought in for the western version but yeah. this is yeah this is my point i think the idea is with the original game again bearing in mind the gaming's design and player expectations of the mid to late 80s the idea was you would speak to everyone in every town you would piece together the things they were saying. You would acknowledge in the ma- that the manual said that you can't trust the ball, so you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't take them all at their word. And if you did, you would you would mark off for yourself which ones were false. You would holy water every wall so that you would find out all the secret people and the secret stuff, and all the hint books. And with the combination of the hint books and the villagers dialogue and a lot of time and patience and the fact that maybe you were only playing this one game for the next six months to a year you could do it without a, a walkthrough do you think that was the intention i think probably I, I want to believe so i want to believe that
1: i i would think so yeah i this this is why i need to learn japanese it'd be good for the show hey hi hi patrons <laughs> this is leah hashtag send me um but no i i think i think that probably was the intent uh it just at least in the translated versions, it didn't quite get there, but it was very ambitious for the time. So, I, I mean, I, I, I don't remember whether this is something that we've already mentioned or uh, that that is somewhere else in the notes. And I just, I'm mixing my things up, but um, I don't, I don't think that anybody really on Konami's Castlevania team as it goes, you know, anybody really believes that something like Symphony of the Night could have come as a, a fully formed thing on its own without stuff like Simon's Quest kind of Absolutely. paving yeah. paving the way for them.
2: Yeah, and there's also one thing that uh, I keep thinking about, is so which, which is what I find quite intriguing, is the idea of... um. Games having to be solved or puzzles having to be solved outside of the game, you know, the the so-called mm-hmm. sco- school schoolyard discussion and having yeah, yeah. Uh, friends over and you know uh, and and trying to work things out together or mm-hmm. getting tips from uh, from somebody that's already gotten further and and played it. Yeah, uh, I'm not yeah. I'm not saying that's particularly a uh, should be any kind of standard, but I am always sort of intrigued by the idea of. Uh, yeah, that sort of meta, um, you know, uh, breadcrumb trails and hints existing outside Absolutely. of the game itself. Yeah. yeah, and
1: even then, though, like you, you follow that that trail of of kids in the schoolyard or whatever, and I bet you the last one in the line has a freaking Nintendo power <laughs> to open on. Yeah, yeah, or a Nintendo uncle. Yeah, oh yeah, Nintendo <laughs> uncle, I know yeah. uncle works for Nintendo. Yes, exactly. or maybe
2: those kids are giving you false hints as well. You know, maybe uh-huh. some of them can't be trusted either.
0: So pretty, uh, you know, I hear you can
1: have Simon take off his pauldrons if you press uh, up, down, look, right? <laughs> jump into the
0: water <laughs> if you dance, if you dance to the tune of uh, wannabe by uh, by the Spice Girls, but only in the name.
2: graveyard at
0: night, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, also that that sort of uh, yeah, cr- crowdsourced uh, solution thing. I mean, it has it has come back into popularity. Obviously, it's different now because we didn't have the internet then, They They're in the same way, of course. There was uh, for for good and bad. The internet didn't exist in the sense that uh, it you couldn't share stuff on it, but also you didn't know. Like there, there wouldn't have been the same sort of outcry about a game having such you know nasty tricks in it as there would be now. Like this game, this yeah. game li- lied to me. Let's review bomb it on Steam or, or whatever. That wouldn't have <laughs> exactly. The, the, th-
2: uh, the thing is, uh, if you just what if you view it from. Uh, you know playing it at the time this sort of thing where it was just really hard to figure it out sort of added to the mm. mystique of a game you know yeah it and, added and to i to to say
0: like remember when fez came out people were loving that yeah the fact that it was so obtuse and obscure that it was it was kind of designed with that in mind mm. uh which which seems fairer in an internet age when when every you know pretty much every gamer is online yeah. almost permanently, <laughs> uh, and yeah, and again the from software games there's there's a huge amount of sharing of knowledge in in that sphere, isn't there? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Into you know just stuff like you know I remember people talking about the you know if you get if you get this particular weapon that's available quite early on, you can kill this much later boss just by hitting it in a certain place from a certain location, all that kind of stuff and it it really does hark back to these these kinds of experiences and i think there is a happy medium isn't there where yeah where you feel like a knowledge that isn't just handed out and i understand why a lot of um you know game games players who go back a long way do get frustrated with the handholding of some yeah. modern games design
2: i love player discovery you know i love mm. uh having hidden mechanics and and hidden things into games uh it's probably wiser from an overall sound game design uh point of view to you know keep that stuff relegated to hidden bonuses and stuff that's not necessarily pertinent to complete a game so that it doesn't you know string you up along the way or hold you up but yeah there there's still some so much yeah there's still a lot of room for exploration there I think.
0: I suppose that I think the problem with this game is, while the in that in that sphere is that while the 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 character control and the you know the the basic action is fine and and you know it's responsive and crisp and and not too frustrating in itself, with some you know the quirks for the platforming acknowledged and things like that, the actual the act of just sort of crossing multiple locations on the map, but not knowing if you're going the right way and having to kind of hit the exact same enemies respawning over and over and over again yeah. can become a bit repetitive and a sure. bit wearing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not like where, again, in a modern game and, and these are criticisms that you could probably level against the, uh, say the elder Scrolls games as well. And certainly people do that sort of sense of, kind of the lack of engagement where you find that actually there's you know a lot of uh, what what feels like copy and paste and the same kind of actions being repeated for the same discoveries and things like that yeah but i think there's a sweet spot watching people playing watching videos of people playing the the open beta or whatever it is the the player test thing of, of elden ring and seeing people kind of discovering these, you know, nooks and crannies that you can go into and it feels like it's organic. I guess Breath of the Wild is another example of this. Yeah. Where it's obviously tech has come on a long way and, and games design ideas have come on a long Definitely.
2: way. Definitely. It's it's one of those cases where the ideas or uh, the game design ethos isn't wrong per se, but it's all about the execution, of course. And uh, what you just said also just ties in, into a platform Adventure, exploration, RPG, Metroidvania's—you know mm-hmm. the whole, the whole uh, shebang of uh, genre name—that um, yeah. a lot of them actually share uh, the problem where, let's say, engaging stage design and en- engaging count, uh, encounter design uh, is often at best secondary to the overall map design and the item gating or ability gating right. and you know the yeah. interlocking design of the map itself which mm. uh yeah when we spoke about uh, axiom verge i fell into mm. the same thing where just the moment-to-moment action wasn't all that engaging but i was yeah. more attracted to the overall exploration in
0: the game mm. mm. quiet paul from the forum says for months now i've been jumping in and out of simon's quest I've honestly found it a massive drag to play. I've no idea what I'm doing unless I'm following a walkthrough, and I feel like if I'm just following a walkthrough, I might as well just watch somebody else play it. The RPG elements feel as if they're just there to slow the game down further, as you must grind hearts off of enemies to actually get a lot of stuff you need. I went back into Simon's Quest today, and after wandering around for an hour trying to figure what the hell I'm supposed to do, I eventually gave up and punched in the password that gets me every item and I just have to go and fight Dracula. On my third attempt, I beat him in about 15 seconds. A boring game that, although not hard, is deliberately made longer through grinding, annoying platforming and convoluted hints from the townsfolk that don't make a whole lot of sense. If I had to sum it up in the style of a, of a town NPC hint, I'd say, if the hooded stranger does offer Simon's Quest to you, up his anus, you must tell him to shove it. <laughs>
4: nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Some of the uh, choice quotes from the NPC villagers include, let's live here together. Oh, yeah. Spoken by an old woman in the house. <laughs> and also, weirdly, take my daughter, please. Spoken by an old man. Um, Yikes. Sure.
4: That that old woman <laughs> is very forward.
0: Yeah. I know, just right in there. Well, you know, sure. different times. He's, this,
1: he's a he's a very nice, strapping young lad, and she's lonely. That's that's fine. She can she can say you that. just, that's
0: all she needs.
4: You just don't have any like nervousness or shyness at that age, though, right? You're just like I'm too, <laughs> too old for this. Let's just go yeah. for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and life expectancy was a lot less, especially,
1: especially when yeah. zombies are like, prowling <laughs> your town at night.
0: Every night, yeah. Uh-huh. Although they are put off by. Doors, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So according to Moby Games, this was the first video game to feature a day-night cycle. Now, I haven't corroborated this. I can't re- personally remember one from prior, but it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Uh, and I'm not, you know, not doubting. Yeah. You could Mobi easily games. see some kind of computer RBG having a,
2: a yeah. day-night cycle system right before this.
0: Yeah. However, what I will say about it is that I remember playing the elder scrolls 3 morrowind in 2003 i guess on the xbox and thinking wow this is really cool the shops open during the day and close at night and then at night if you want to go in basically you become a criminal and all that stuff and that was more than considerably more than a decade after this game yeah. so credit credit is due now there are issues with I, with it i think so the fact that when it's night and you get to a town, there's really not a lot you can do other than grind shuffle for backwards and forwards, grind for hearts, until the church opens again in the morning. But, uh, and yeah, it's obviously stuff like there's no subtle lighting transition between day and night. Uh, you just get a yeah. text message. But and it's easy to swaps. forgive that on uh,
2: an 8-bit console, uh, yeah, right? Of course. Yeah. yeah. So that we don't have this gradual transition from day to night and the, the sky yes. turning color slowly and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah.
0: But what I will say is, again, yeah, it does add a sense of adventure and progression and time passing. We were talking about the time passing in Dead Rising and how that harked back to Majora's Mask. And because, although you wouldn't know this at first, but using a guide, you know that the ending is dictated by your time, how long you spent playing the game. It actually adds a sense of urgency as well. Yeah. And it's a, a sense of danger as well when Nightfall sets in. Because um, Minecraft esque everything, all the all the all the green zombies come out and take more hits to kill.
2: Yeah, exactly, and everything uh, gets more HP, right? All the
0: monsters get more HP, and different monsters yes. appear at night as well. Josh, as again, as the younger <laughs> the younger player, hello, uh, and and like I remember, uh, you know, I, so I I've seen the the evolution of this. Whereas for for you, I guess it's more like you're going, you're just diving straight back to the origins of things that we now kind of take for granted but still enjoy, like a day-night cycle. Uh, Was it it at least interesting to you to see it perhaps being implemented for the very first time here?
4: Uh, It was interesting. Um, I did not find the transition between day and night to be particularly smooth. Um, Uh, I don't know why, but for some reason I prefer the kind of oh, the sun has risen and I just carry on you know, doing what I'm doing, instead of you know the giant text box appearing and then having yeah. to wait like what felt like ten seconds and it was probably only two. I suppose um, there's
2: some sort of loading going on at the time, you know, even if it's a cartridge. Oh, yeah. Uh there there is mm. the replacing replacing of enemies, the, the 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 colors that need to be changed well, I, of the of the environment, yeah.
4: there's whole like cuz some of the enemies actually change color palettes depending on what yeah, yeah. what yeah. um point in the day it is. So yeah, I totally see that like and I I and I totally understand that it's uh a limitation of the the technology and all that jazz um and it's certainly i i love the concept of uh, you know there's so many games do it but i i do love the concept of night being more lethal and more dangerous than the the daytime like dragon's dogma does it to an amazing mm. effect but um you know also you know breath of the wild and etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, and it was really cool to see the the beginnings of that here, the beginnings of that that um, that trope. Uh, it's just a, again like many things in in Simon's Quest. I I, I learned to love lear, learn to love its execution in later later titles.
0: Sure, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's not something that Castlevania really sticks to either. I'm not sure which other, if any, other Castlevania games have that. Even the the more RPG ish ones don't tend to go down no it doesn't really
2: make much sense for those games either anyway because you're usually inside big structures. right
4: yeah i suppose you could have done it with um order of ecclesia because actually you're only Mm. in the castle right 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 at the end oh yeah then that game kind of is like half the you know linear but for the first half of the game it's like the the original linear Castlevania games and then it oh, becomes yeah. more like a Metroidvania in the second
0: half oh. so probably doesn't make sense there either I didn't really know that uh it's one that I hope we can get to in the series obviously it's not an easy one to get hold of legally anymore because uh, it's quite rare <laughs> and expensive but uh we'll see what happens in how many shows time that will be another thing I learned According to Moby Games, in the original Japanese Famicom Disk System-only version of the game, it is possible to beat the last boss using only a single piece of garlic. Doing this really takes a long time, though. Just drop a piece of garlic on the floor, move and wait for the boss to hit the garlic. It will be hit 256 times without having the ability to move and then die. (laughs) In the Western cartridge port of the game, Konami made the supply of garlic vanish for the final battle, probably because this trick was well-known in Japan. I mean, I don't think garlic's actually supposed to kill vampires, even in folklore. I think the idea is that it... It repels uh, them. Yeah, it wards them off somewhat. uh, But obviously... Unless they're very, very hungry. Yeah. Many, many, many stories change all the rules of, yeah. it's one of the the fun things about all the fun and nonsense rules about vampirism is that you can muck around with them. And uh, Yeah. yeah, as so many legendary pieces of vampire fiction do. Like blades. Right. Where
4: yes. garlic makes vampires' head, heads blow up, apparently.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that one. Yeah, cool. <laughs> the game features three different endings, activated based on the amount of game time it took the player to finish the game. So, yeah, you've actually got a clock, which, unfortunately, you have to... Press a button to bring the, uh, I guess it's the select button on the NES, is it? Um, Whatever. I can't remember what the buttons are on the original Famicom pad. Uh, And you've got a clock and it shows you days, hours and minutes. And they tick by fairly rapidly, although it seems to be a lot slower at night when you're waiting for the morning to come. The first ending is for three days or less. Another is for eight days or less. And the third is for any time over that. The endings are different between the US and Japanese versions. It's debatable which of the three is the better ending. The fastest ending isn't considered the best. However, it seems that in two of them, Simon does not survive the curse that Dracula placed upon him. Harsh, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, three days or less, that's a speed run.
1: I don't know what the speed run record is for this but i'm going to guess no, it I don't. probably only takes them like a day and a half
0: <laughs> yeah but how <laughs> magic i know i mean uh yeah we should say time freezes when you're in the mansions mm-hmm. but it most certainly does not freeze while you're going between locations but yes i haven't actually watched any speed runs of this i i'm guessing the scene for it is not nearly as fervent as it is for the first and third games and, and other games in the series just because the game is less popular and more kind of quirky but i bet you there is a scene around it
1: uh any percent speed run? 30 minutes 52 seconds i found
0: okay that's not in-game time though no, <laughs> that's real no. that's real time so i don't know what that translates to know. uh but yeah obviously that's going to be best ending yeah. But I, I'm on, I don't know how many uh, glitches or shortcuts that uses or whatever. Obviously, as with any good speed run, it'll be people who know exactly what inputs to put in at any particular moment and the exact sequence of events. Yeah, it might be quite fun to watch. Didn't get around to it for this show. But um, actually, again, you know, as as we've heard from, from our correspondents, this might be a game that you don't particularly need to play as a unless you're a insane completionist or you just want to rattle through it for the trophy or the achievement on the uh, anniversary collection but you can watch a speedrun and still get a good sense of what what the game is show the heart to the ferryman to get taken somewhere more interesting who knew I didn't know (laughs) Uh, yeah I was going to say actually let's talk about the crystals because I I think of all the I mean the the crouching to get whisked up the cliff that's pretty oblique Mm, yeah but I think the get this crystal to see this thing and then swap this crystal with this person in this town to see this other thing. I think that's probably the most kind of uh, chain of events.
1: Well, at least they don't give you like a choice. Uh, Once you talk to the person who says, I want to swap my crystal, (laughs) it just happens. So like, and
2: and it's, it's always an upgrade. So for me, even like this (laughs) this time I was playing without any guides and just, just trying to go off of memory, you know, from the past, and uh, yeah, I, I never got stumped anywhere, I have to say. And usually I would just get along the right item, like the upgraded crystals around the right time. So it's uh, it's it's laid out in a certain way where a lot of st- the oblique stuff also, you sort of stumble upon the solution quite naturally, I felt. Maybe it's my uh, my memory also helping me out there, but yeah.
1: Well, aren't you just better at video games than the rest of us?
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's just he's just tuned in to the, the mystery yeah i don't know i mean yeah it's 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 a, it's a it's a strange sequence i think but yeah. again yeah maybe if you'd never if you'd never had any expectation you could kind of i definitely would have never
2: f- figured crouching with the
0: red crystal near the cloud right. by
2: myself you know
0: no yeah but again, maybe if the original translation has more information, it's it's and something you like hit smash your
1: head it. on Deborah Cliff, or it's yeah, yeah, that's the one. Something, yeah, like that's a, oh, that's that's a the perfect example. Of course,
2: example. you hit your head, and when you hit your head on the cliff, you get you start bleeding from the forehead, and blood is red, so you need to use the red crystal. <laughs> See, it's it's logical. De-
1: definitely, yeah. I, I, it. I retract yeah. all yeah. of yeah. my just, complaints.
0: These people need to use their brains a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Pekun Pie from the forum says, It's interesting how three of the NES's seminal games, Mario, Zelda and Castlevania, ended up with sequels that diverged from the originals in polarising ways. This makes the games compelling to discuss as they switch up the gameplay or pursue lofty ideas, but ultimately are less enjoyable for me to play through today. Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest, ambitiously tries to expand on its predecessor's concise adventure, with multiple towns to traverse, a day-night cycle, permanent upgrades and obtuse use of items to progress to different areas. I think the story is a success as it follows on from your activities in the first Castlevania and ties into the gameplay nicely. You killed Dracula but are now cursed and need to find his body parts to resurrect him and destroy the curse. Each of the body parts has a game function and the ending you get changes depending on how many days it took to collect them. I thought those features were pretty cool for a game from 1987. However, I'm not sure why they opted to not include bosses to gain each of those body parts. I believe there are only two that are randomly placed in some of the mansions and one was just a big mask that wasn't required. I think the lack of compelling bosses and the vague help on progressing are the things that hold this title back. I'm still glad I played through it with an online guide to get the Castlevania history, but having played 1 and 3, This was the weakest of my playthroughs. Even so, I liked the RPG elements and permanent upgrades, the music was great, and the action gameplay and sprite art were fun. Thanks, Pecan Pie. If you don't even want to watch somebody play it, you can read the novel. A 1919 novella based on this game was published by Scholastic as part of their Worlds of Power series for children at risk of losing their literacy to video gaming. Books based on non-Nintendo-owned NES games, all attributed to the author FX9, although this one is also credited, written by Christopher Howell, a Seth Godin production. At the ends of chapters, hints for the completion of the game appear in spoiler-secured upside-down text. I mean, I can read upside-down, but I guess if I was in danger of losing my literacy, maybe I couldn't. Uh, I'm not sure about the concept of books that are supposed to replace video games in your illiterate child's life, sending you back to the video games to solve them. But then, you know, maybe, maybe there are children out there who can only read the words that are present in the game. Castlevania two. What a horrible (laughs) night to have a curse. (laughs) I kind
1: of, I kind of want that book. I wonder if you can still, you probably can't still find it.
0: Try eBay. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Craigslist uh, or thrift sales. Uh, it features, by the way, the story of, of said book features junior high school student Timothy Bradley, a video gamer, who crosses over into the world of Simon's Quest and assists Simon in looking for Dracula's body parts.
2: That's very clever. So the readers, the
0: young readers will have somebody to relate to. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, is it sensible for a child to be doing these things? Um,
1: $60 on Amazon. Um, it, it, I Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's... Wow, July first, nineteen ninety. Maybe you should get
0: those. You should get those cartridge games first yeah. before you spend the money on the novelizations. Yeah. I'm going to say. I mean, it's well, your. Money I mean, you, you
1: know, I do have. I do already have the cartridge of Simon's Quest. I could just have a whole Simon's Quest go. collection. <laughs> oh my God,
4: <laughs> is there is there a scene in the book where Timothy just stares at a cliff face holding a red gem <laughs> with a really Presumable. puzzled
0: look on his face? I hope like, so. I just don't know, Simon. I can't help I think that might be in that comic strip we mentioned earlier, actually. (laughs) Also, the uh, Black Dahlia Murder American Death Metal Band used the game as an inspiration for their first release, What a Horrible Night to Have a Curse. The title is derived from the phrase, which appears on screen during transitions from day to night.
2: Maybe I'm getting my metal... Branch is uh, wrong, but isn't that a, a way too jovial and and comical title for a death metal band uh, to have as a I, as as an
0: album album title? I don't know. There was that one. So uh, John Salmon of this parish and show is uh, a fan of such things, I believe, and he was saying, "Wow, I've forgotten what they're called now." But he was showing us the logos of all these death metal bands. He was going to this you know weekend festival. And it was all it was all stuff with hilariously comical kind of cliche death metal band names. But then there was one which had like they, they'd they obviously decided that they were going to stand out by having a completely different look. So instead of all the gothic writing and the blood and the nails and whatever else, it was like balloon letters. And they were called like, I don't know, Party Fiesta Time or something like that. <laughs> but apparently their music is oh, I wish I could remember John. If John listens to this, he's. he's He's going to be kicking his podcast player, but um, <laughs> they sounded excellent. Uh, so I don't know is the answer. Right. The song What a Horrible Night to Have a Curse from their third album, Nocturnal, is a downloadable track in Rock Band, bringing Castlevania to that franchise in a sort of roundabout way. Nice. There's Moby Games. And finally, long form correspondence for Simon's Quest is Psycho Hype again who says, as a diehard fan of the classic Castlevania games, I'll say this about Simon's Quest. Even at its most tedious, there's a weird charm to everything that I can't help but admire. Simon's Quest is not a game I grew up with. I only first played it a few years ago when I got my hands on an NES Classic Mini. And despite knowing enough of the game's reputation for being a cryptic and poorly translated labyrinth of a game, I nevertheless went in with the intention of relying on as little outside assistance as possible. Simon's Quest did Yeah, Simon's Quest did not represent the future of Castlevania, at least not its immediate future. It was really more of an experimental aberration for the series that was immediately course-corrected with the much more linear and straightforward Castlevania 3. Knowing this in advance made it a little bit easier for me to put up with the game's weird mechanics. That said, I did play through the entire game again after purchasing the Castlevania Anniversary Collection and enjoyed it even more the second time around. The saving grace for this game is that, aside from the cryptic and navigation and mechanics, this is a relatively easy game to beat. Even if you get a game over screen, you get to pick up right back in the same spot that you died. To sum it all up, I can't really hate on Simon's Quest too much. It deserves credit for being a game that tried new ideas and in doing so carved out a unique identity for itself. Not to mention it gave us bloody tears, arguably the most memorable tune in the entire Castlevania franchise. For that reason alone, I'm happy it exists. Yeah, I saw you, uh, Mikhil, you tweeted the other day about the fact that you were brushing up, re on the game. And, and of course, you got somebody responding saying, unpopular opinion, yeah. I like this game. And of course, actually, that's, it, it's one of those classic cases where there's loads of people with that unpopular opinion. Exactly. <laughs> that's like that's what I
2: pointed to... out in the answer as well. Like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> At least uh, among the two it's... of us, it's a popular opinion.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I think that, yeah, so often the case. Yeah. Three word reviews from Twitter. Follow us on social media places at Kane and So, first of all, we've got
4: Quiet Paul with boring, frustrating shame.
1: Robin Hoodie says, Reach exceeds grasp.
0: Tom Hewlett says, A horrible night. The Seth Rokage
2: says, the great the graveyard duck
4: christopher love says needed that guide
1: Psychohype hype says holy water unlimited
0: and will cross says fascinating unfinished symphony i see what they've done there good work everybody oh no <laughs> it's just sunk in uh right <laughs> To conclude, I think, yes, well, uh, I, I, it's, I keep seeing this uh, compilation that we've talked about that m- many of us are using for these purposes. It's on sale for like three quid or whatever a lot of the time. So a lot of people will probably have picked it up, even if it's just to dabble maybe with the 16-bit era game. So I suppose, you know, would we recommend that people go back and try this slightly more unapproachable? And uh, yeah, let's not say let's not say it's an unpopular opinion to say it's worth playing, but it's probably a less popular game than the others in some ways. Josh, hello. How do you feel overall about um, Castlevania Two?
4: I I struggle to say that I like Castlevania Two, and. As far as recommending it goes, as as you say, it's part of this collection. It's always on a sale, and the game is such... If you have a guide, the game is such a breeze to to get through, and it's like four, four hours long with a guide as well. So it's not exactly a struggle to get through, but I do respect this game a hell of a lot. Um, so many ideas here... Um, while they're they're just seeds here flower into things that I absolutely adore in their later iterations. Uh, the, the the obvious connection is um Symphony and Night, which some of our um forum contributors and Twitter free word rev reviewists that, that's mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with that um yeah. have drawn attention to. Like yeah Symphony and Night owes an awful lot to this game. Um, but uh, pretty much all of From Software stuff, including you know Kingsfield, not just the Souls stuff, Kingsfield, um, Shadow Tower, all of that stuff owes some you know some of its um, DNA to to this game. So mm. yeah, I, I I did not you know after my experience of Zelda Two, which I had, uh, bas- I famously had such a miserable experience of Zelda Two that I I ended up. Not being able to finish the game in in time for the the recording and and had to drop had to drop out of that i I hated mm. Zelda 2. I do not mm. hate this game. I feel like it has a few things that make it charming that make it to make its existence um worthwhile um
0: it's It's a fascinating little artifact of history, yeah, I wanted to say like we don't usually go huge on sort of direct comparisons between games but i think there is a line to be drawn between zelda 2 and this and i think for me the key fundamental difference is that the actual character control and combat with enemies in castlevania 2 i found it just infinitely more fun than the equivalent in zelda 2 where it was like collision detection and the actual motion and locomotion of the character and the feel of combat was just all wrong uh compared to every other Zelda game as well as every Castlevania game uh so for me yes this this would absolutely absolutely be a much easier recommend than uh, than Zelda 2 in that respect but there are some huge similarities in terms of you know like traversing the game world and the visiting the houses and the obscure hints and all that kind of stuff uh yeah it's an interesting one my overall summary though is that uh, I actually had a perfectly nice time playing through this one it was a low stress effort with a walk through i knew that was the the way to go probably to as i always say like there may be some hitherto unfelt joys of playing this own natural the on the game's original own terms with only yourself and the game and perhaps a few hundred hours trying to work everything out but way was not appealing to me and not practical either so uh yeah listener you will know if that's something that you maybe want to achieve although we, i guess we've given away some of the solutions in, in this show anyway but yeah so the game is a a weird uh mishmash of some incredibly ambitious and forward-thinking ideas and some really Now old fashioned and of their time bits of game design that simply wouldn't fly, wouldn't be considered acceptable today. And yet some of those things actually do inform some really popular ideas that we still see in modern game design, whether it be contemporary, more contemporary Castlevanias or, as we keep saying, things like FromSoft's output. So, yeah, uh, uh, a fascinating history lesson. I don't think it's essential that anyone plays this as much as it's essential to play any video game. But yeah, definitely worth investigating. As I say, plenty of you will have the Castlevania Anniversary Collection. If you don't, I recommend that you get it just because it's a, a wonderful collection. And maybe if even if people pick it up in the sales, it will mean that Konami will re- remember to actually release things that are video games. <laughs> and, and we might get some more stuff. We've since had the uh, the Advanced Collection. I guess we all, most of us want a DS Collection, DS Trilogy of some kind, if they can do it. On a single screen would be absolutely magnificent, would help us a lot as well uh but yeah, check it out, just yeah do some oh, you've listened to this podcast, you know <laughs> you don't need to check it out. Have a little look, see what you think and leah
1: yeah i i I'm not going to say anything spectacularly different from what people have already said um i there's some good ideas in this game, but i I just it it does not hold up well as an experience on its own for me, so I I don't. If you're gonna play it, I would absolutely say play it with a guide. But I I it's not. It's it's maybe not the one that I would point out and say, hey, this is gonna give you a good experience as to what early Castlevania NES era Castlevania games were like. Um, I I. I'm glad it exists, but I'm not gonna play it again. If that uh, if that kind of sums it up, it it has led to some really great things. It has influenced some really great things, but um, yeah, it's it's not that I had a miserable time playing it. It's just that it's not quite where I would like for it to be in order for it to be something that I would want to go back to and play. I can say that probably about castlevania one i could maybe even say that about castlevania three but we'll get there next time um well not next time Mm. but uh we will get there in about a year (laughs) we'll get there at some point yes um but but this game i i just it's fascinating in a historical context for me but i don't really have a past with it i don't have that nostalgia for it um and mm. And I don't think that without that, it really holds up all that well for me, so yeah, i mean if if this has sounded interesting and you want to check it out, as everybody has said so far, there is that collection that's available on pretty much everything, so uh you you do definitely have that opportunity if you would like it. um and if not, I don't think you're missing a ton. You could probably watch a YouTube video and be just fine.
0: Or, you could borrow Leah's cartridge.:
1: um, I may maybe. No. no, probably not. Probably not.
0: <laughs> She's too busy playing it on her record. Consistently,
1: file. yes. Every day I just yeah. pop that sucker out.
0: <laughs> All right. And I think I'm pretty certain confident to say that Mikhil will be the most enthusiastic about yeah. this
2: interesting game. So what hasn't been said already by everyone else? Um Yeah, I mean, there's nothing that has been said in this podcast by any contributor or uh, anybody else on the panel that I uh, vehemently disagree with. Um, Yeah, if you ask me, you know, uh, out of the three NES Castlevanias, which one I'd uh, love to play the most, Simon's Quest would still, for me, probably uh, take up the the number three spot in order of uh, playing Desire. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah... I do have a lot of fondness for it. At the same time, and I do really love its eight-bit adventuring atmosphere of taking it to the countryside and scouring the 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 the, the whole place for these yeah uh, you know, all the all these mansions uh, owned by Dracula and and finding the body parts and bringing uh, you know wiping him him out uh, for good and uh, lifting the curse off of poor Simon um yeah and the music ties in with that it's uh it's uh it's atmosphere like i said and yeah it is probably also nostalgia and um, my nostalgia is also colored by the fact that we had somebody with us to play the game the first time around that had it completely memorized already so there was nothing that really Hmm. stumped us i mean that shouldn't go uh uh, that shouldn't go without mention either you know that also really plays into the way that i experienced it the first time around Certainly. Um, but I would say, yeah, the cost of entry is low, like you say, on the, on the collection. Would I recommend people playing it? I would recommend giving it a try. See how you get on with it. See how you, uh, you know, how you gel with it. And it's probably a minority of people that would really gel with it. But uh, it doesn't hurt to, to give it a shot and just, you know, try to figure out what
0: this odd little game is all about. Great stuff. Thank you, folks. Next time in this series, which will be part of volume 11. As I say, it'll be Akuma Joe Dracula again, but not that one. It'll be the ooh, divisive <laughs> arcade version should make for a fascinating show. Ben will be joining us for that one. Yeah, because he's the only one who can do it. <laughs> I
2: probably uh, you should
0: probably have uh,
2: Ben go last on that summary as well. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think that's a guarantee yeah. yeah boy oh boy interesting anyway yeah. should be fun so for now it remains for me leon to thank josh leah Michiel editor jay our correspondents and of course you for listening next time at issue 497 let's make a toast to the damned in our death stranding podcast